Hello, thank you for joining us. This is What Counts by Trailblazer Consulting. In this podcast, we share our experience working with companies to solve their information management challenges. We tackle records retention schedules, program implementation and training, and more complex challenges like asset data management. This is Lee, and in this episode, we'll discuss how to best structure assessment questions to get the best response from the people you interview. Thanks, Lee. Hi, I'm Maura, and I'm happy to talk about assessment questions today. Might not sound like an exciting part of the project, but actually it sets a, it sets a foundation for the next phases. So for those of you who listened to some of our earlier sessions, but even if you haven't, we usually start by identifying an overall goal for the information management program. What's the problem we're trying to solve? We distill that down into a problem statement. Having done that, we then start looking at, all right, who are we going to interview? How do we structure this assessment process? Is an assessment the right next step? It often is the right first step to go out and talk to more people. Because if you're a consultant coming in and you've been brought in by uh, somebody in legal or somebody in IT, or if you're inside an organization and you're in legal or IT or in a part of the business, you can't see everything. From wherever you start, you haven't seen the whole picture. So we find that the best way to learn more is to talk to people. And we don't, while it's fun to just talk to people randomly and get, get them to just tell us whatever they want to talk about today, maybe their canoeing trip over the weekend. I learned a lot about pontoon boats in one of my projects. What we really want to know is how are you using information? How is it being created? How is it being shared across the organization? And how is it helping you to do your job? And when we first started doing this type of work many years ago, the first question you might want to ask, you might think you were going to ask is, tell me about your records. And the first time I tried to do that was in a, a government setting. It was the Environmental Protection Agency office. And most of the people that I talked to said, we don't have any records. And that didn't seem like the right answer because why had they hired us to help them figure out their records management problems if nobody had anything? So the more we got into the conversations, the more we realized people don't think about records. That's not what they think about every day, unless you're a records manager like, like we are. We evolved into, tell us about your job. How do you do your job? What information do you need to do your job? And in fact, uh, when we first started these interviews, I was in graduate school. I went to graduate school for library science. And although I've never worked in a library, I have found the, the thinking, the process, and the skills coming out of the world of library science to be invaluable to information management. And one of the things that I did in library school was I wrote a thesis on how you design a library around the needs of the users. And I was focused on business users. And in my job as an information management consultant, I continue to focus on business users. But instead of talking about reference material most of the time, we focus on the business records, the records that you use to run your business. So back to the questions. We start the conversation with a person by saying, tell me about your job. Now, when we ask that question, it's not... It's not the blind, kind of wide-eyed question that it sounds like. Because remember, we've done some work beforehand. We have talked with our contact. 
we've identified who we're going to interview. How do we put together that list? And we have a cross-section of people that we've identified from different parts of the organization. All of that feeds back into that problem statement. Do we need to talk to everybody in the organization this time? Or do we just want to talk about one division or one functional area? But once we've figured that out, we have the list. We also, we know who these people are. We know where they sit organizationally. We know what their job responsibilities are. And we have a sense of what type of information they're probably dealing with on a daily basis. They're probably, you know, what are they getting in? What are they reviewing? What are they creating? And what are they sending out? But we go into the conversation and ask them, tell us about your job. Tell us what you're responsible for. Tell us what, you're, what causes you the most trouble. And we do this in a conversational style. We have an interview guide. It's a standard template. Before we enter into the first interview, we'll review that with the, with the client. We'll tailor some of the questions. So in some cases, we're going to talk about asset data. This is if we're talking to an infrastructure organization. We're going to ask them about the physical assets that they own and how they're operated, how they're maintained, how the commercial part of their business intersects with these physical assets. Do they have projects that are tied to each asset? Do they have contracts that are tied to each asset? Do they have customers that are tied to each asset? And we tailor our interview guide to reflect that bent for an infrastructure organization as opposed to, say, a medical organization where we might be asking them about privacy data and clinical trial records and, um, and regulatory requirements that they have to comply with. And so we'll tailor the interview guide that way. Either way, whether, which, however we've tailored it to match the industry, to match the company, there's a structure to our interview guide that, that is consistent every time. And the first step is, tell us about your job. Tell us what, what's easy, what's hard, what kind of information do you need, where does it come from? So are they getting information from outside the organization or from other parts of the company? How does it get to them? Does it come in email? Does it come in a system? Does it come in paper? Because that still happens. <laughs> and then what do they do with it? They read it. They do some analysis. They do some calculations. They enter it into a system. What do they do? We can then go either to the next step, which is what do they do next? Where, does it, where do they send that information? Or we can take a, a deeper dive into the what do they do? If they're using a system, what system is it? Now, again, based on the work we've done to set up this assessment, the person we're talking to and as our, our contact and possibly, um, and possibly other interviews that we've done before we've reached this person, we may know many of the systems that exist in the company. And we may have an idea that they have an SAP or an Oracle as their finance system. They have some contract management system. They have a maintenance management system. We may know that. But we still get surprised um, and find out that, oh, they have a compliance tracking system for ethics and compliance cases that nobody has mentioned in the first 10 interviews. So the conversation about, do they use a system? What do they do with that system? Are they doing data entry? Are they, making, are they just looking at reports? Are they um, comparing data that they've received to what's in the system? What are they doing? And then we ask them, where did they put their data? 
Are they storing things on a SharePoint site, in a content management system, in a file share? Are they storing things in email? Just leave it in their email box. Are they keeping it on their hard drive? Are they putting it in some third-party storage location like Box or Dropbox, which is really hard to, hard to get a handle on, so it's good to know when people are doing that. And we ask those questions and we have this conversation with them that's all about them and how they're interacting with information and what are they responsible for and what are they worried about. Then, kind of on the exiting side of it is, what do you, where does it go from here? Where, how do you share this information? Do you go back to some external person or do you go to someone else in your company? Who takes the next step? And do they need the information that you've been working with? Do they need the pieces that you've added? Is somebody else going to try and look at that? When we started this and people were very paper intensive, we would always ask, can you find things in the office of the person next door if they're out? And if you were out, could someone else on your team find what they need in your office? The answer was almost always no to both of those questions. Not 100%, but almost, almost always. I thought that we were past that that we didn't have to ask about paper anymore, but recently finished an assessment of a, of a large company and the, uh, the pandemic and the shutdowns took them by surprise because they were doing a lot of processing by paper. They were literally writing things down and carrying them to the guy next door to do the next step. And in the first couple of weeks when we started this assessment, which was you know April of 2020, People were printing things out in their houses and keeping a pile in the living room, getting ready to bring it back to the office. The assessment for this company took about two and a half months. We did about 85 interviews altogether. And it took that two and a half months is pretty long for an assessment, and that was definitely an impact of being remote. And 85 people was also a lot to interview. Um, that one grew, that one grew quite a bit. But, it was interesting because in that two and a half month period, by the July time frame when I finished the interviews, nobody was printing things out in their living room anymore. <laughs> nobody was planning that they had to take a big pile of paper back to the office. Unfortunately, their substitute was keep it in their email. And so now we're working on managing their email in a different way. But it was a very quick web evolution to move out of that paper process into um, a different process, and yet it hadn't happened in the previous 15 years when almost everyone else moved out of the paper world into the electronic world. So you never know what you're going to find. All right, so we take these questions, we tailor them for the industry, so we might have a section that's about medical regulations, we might have a section that's about privacy data, we might have a section that's about asset data, that all depends on where you are and what, what type of company. Uh, depending on how old the company is, we will definitely ask about, do they send things to off-site storage? There is a sort of underlying connotation to the word, to the phrase records management that makes people think of dusty boxes in a warehouse. And in a lot of companies still, uh, there is an end game process where at the end of a whole thing, people print stuff out, put it in a box, and send it to off-site storage. They almost never pull it back. <laughs> they almost never use it again, and they're depending on electronic copies of that information every day to do their job. 
but they've sent it to off-site storage. So we ask about that question. We ask about that dichotomy. And we use these interviews as an opportunity to start the education process, start the change management process, start people thinking about information in a different way. It's just, it's a, it's a very light touch. It's not a, not a heavy-handed lecture during the interview process. It's just, oh, did you think about this? So, oh, you're putting it in your email and you're putting it on the file share and you're sending it in a box to offsite storage. So you kind of stored the same thing three times. Um, we had one, one group uh, many years ago that we discovered that they were storing the resumes of candidates that they interviewed but didn't hire in six places. So these, recall, are interviews that ended going nowhere. So there is a requirement. The organization does have a requirement to keep those records for two years. One copy in HR to say, from an EEOC perspective, we interviewed these people. They were not qualified or the person who was selected was you know, qualified in this way or whatever that, that process is that leads them to, we picked one out of seven. But they didn't need six copies of these resumes that had been sent to all the people who interviewed them and kept them in all these six places. And when we spelled that out for them at the end of the assessment process, they were shocked. <laughs> Wait, we're doing what? Why would we do that? Exactly. Why would you do that? <laughs> um, and as people get more and more concerned about privacy data and the protection of privacy data, six stray copies of a resume floating around times however many candidates have been interviewed and not hired, that's a risk that the company doesn't need to be taking. So. We take these questions, we've tailored them, then we have the conversations. And every conversation gives us more information to go into the next one. Sometimes we'll circle back. So if we've gone through a set of interviews and we've kind of formed a picture of one of the flows of information through the company, so we've talked to somebody in accounting, we've talked to somebody in procurement, we've talked to somebody in the field, and we see how asking people about their work and how they use information and how they and where they share that information inside their company and outside is an extremely effective way to get a glimpse of how information flows in an organization. One interview doesn't do that for you, but the collection of interviews that you do in a in an organization gives you that flow because you talk to somebody in in a business who needs to buy some parts and they talk about how they ask to buy those parts, how they put a purchase request together. And then you talk to the procurement team and they tell you about how they identified the vendors and how they have the item master and how they have the uh, negotiated payments and what they do when they get that purchase request and how it turns into a purchase order. Then you get to the next step. They've sent it out to the vendor how do they send it to the vendor? Is it through a system? Is it through mail? Is it they hand it to them? Is it through email? So then the vendor responds. They ship the parts. The parts are received probably not at the same place where the person who ordered them sits because they may be ordering parts for a field location. Someone at the field location is going to get that bill of lading. They're going to check and see what's in the box. They're going to check it against that purchase order that said this is what we wanted. And they're going to create a goods receipt. And that goods receipt is a critical step to getting that vendor paid. 
So they go back into the system and they, they tell you what they do in their SAP system or their Oracle system and how they mark it off. Yes, we got these things. Then you talk to people in accounts payable and they tell you that they have to have a purchase order and they have to have an invoice and they have to have a goods receipt and they have to have the vendor data in the system in order to be able to make the payment. So you've now seen the data flow for purchasing from the business, the person who wanted it, to the vendor is getting paid at the end of the day. That's one, that's one flow of data. You then could go down vertically from that guy in the field who collected, who checked off that they got all the parts. What does he do with those? He might put them into the inventory management system. It might be a spreadsheet. It might be just, this is where we keep our stuff in the shed. But when they're t it's time to do maintenance at that location, they have a process of going and getting the right part, checking it off. They're probably tracking that in a work order. Could be manual, could be a system, could be a spreadsheet. But they're checking it off somehow to make sure that they're maintaining the plant and the part, the, the machinery in this plant the right way. So that is an intersection point where you have the maintenance activities meeting up with the purchasing activities. That intersection point is a place where data is shared. And how easily that happens depends on how you've defined everything. So our questions, our interview guide, even though we're not asking what do you do about data sharing between procurement and maintenance, because that's a question that very few people are going to answer right off the bat. But our interview guide where we go step by step through the whole process and we talk to people in different parts of the organization, it gives us some visibility into that and gives us some insight into, aha, there's an item master that procurement manages and they have named parts this way based on the vendors they use. And it has nothing to do with the way the field is organizing their um, spare parts to do their maintenance. So then you have a data incompatibility problem that makes data sharing harder. Might not seem like a big deal, and it isn't a big deal until you want to, you go, you take it to the next level and you're looking at something bigger, something that needs to be depreciated or something that you have to pay tax on or sales and use tax on in some calculations. Then you have two systems holding equally important parts of this puzzle with data that doesn't match up. The idea of organizing your questions beforehand is it gives you a chance to organize your thoughts about what do you expect to learn in the assessment? What do you really want to, to know? And what will you do if you come across something unexpected? So spending that time up front gives you the chance to do that. We've also used uh, interview guides to take sort of baseline data, trying to understand how is records management viewed across the organization, for instance. With one uh, pharmaceutical company many years ago, we asked them three questions about the records management program. Were they aware that there was a records management policy? Were they aware that there was a records management program? Were they aware that there was a records management policy? And did they understand that what they should do with records when they were inactive? And we asked that of every, we asked those three questions of everyone that we interviewed. And so we were able to look at some trends and discover that most people knew there was a records management policy and almost no one knew what they should do with their inactive records. 
gives you some guidance for, okay, where do we need communication? Where do we need training? And what else should we take a look at? So that takes us to the end of developing the questionnaire. We want to talk in, uh, in a later podcast, we will talk about the kind of companion to the questions, which is looking at documents, looking at policies, and, um, and it, we put together an information request that we collect those things. That's a topic for another day. Thank you. Well, I did want to jump in, though, more, because it sounds like you're collecting so much information just from asking prompting questions to get an individual to talk about their job. How long do these interviews take? My experience is shorter is better. Come back when you need it. And my average is about a half hour. But what is your experience? That's a great question. And I also think a half an hour is the right number. Um, in some cases where a, a company wants us to talk to three or four people at the same time, we'll stretch it to 45 minutes. It is unusual to go beyond that. Not that it hasn't happened. When you get somebody who really wants to talk, then you can go an hour. <laughs> but for the most part, we're, we're under a half an hour in any of these interviews. So it sounds longer today because I'm talking about all the thinking that I'm doing while I'm having the conversation. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a, a wrap on this episode of What Counts, and we appreciate your time. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. See you next time. <laughs>